This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode, we have questions from Benton, Joanna, Tim, Benton again, and an unsigned chronicler. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions. Then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Benton, who wants to know, how long were the events that took place in the book of Revelation, John's vision? Because they clearly were not just one day. Well, clearly not. You're right about that, Benton. The book of Revelation contains all sorts of visions and symbols, and before you can say how long it takes for the events that they point to to unfold, you have to figure out, or at least guess, what those events actually are. Now, as I'm sure you know, there are rival interpretations of this symbolism in the church. Some people think the events in Revelation have mostly come to pass already and others think that they're mostly still coming in the future. When we studied the book of Zechariah a couple of years ago, I pointed out that a lot of the images from Revelation are actually from the Old Testament prophets. The same way the Gospels often quote Old Testament passages to note their fulfillment, the book of Revelation uses Old Testament prophetic images. The question is, are those images about things that already happened before John's time, things that were in the midst of happening and soon would happen, or maybe things that would not happen until the far future? Well, without getting too far into the weeds, I think the answer is all of the above. Not everything can be dated, but it's safe to say that Revelation refers to events that go back to the beginning and before, to the whole history of humanity, and also to the coming return of Christ, pretty much the whole timeline of human existence. And now Joanna asks, why did people in the Bible have to measure the temple? Joanna, in Revelation 11, John receives a measuring rod, and he gets instructions to measure out the inner courts of the temple, including the altar. And that's a striking image. It shouldn't surprise you, after my last answer, that it's also an image that echoes an Old Testament example. At the end of the book of Ezekiel, an angel measures out the precincts of the New Jerusalem and the New Temple. From chapters 40 through 48, we find elaborately precise descriptions, much more detail, in fact, than in Revelation. At the very end of Ezekiel, we discover that this new city will receive a new name. It reads, And the name of the city from that time on shall be, The Lord is There. Now, this signals something that becomes obvious in Revelation. The city and its temple are a symbol of the people of God, the church. After Christ's return, God will dwell with us, and we will commune with him face to face. 
Now, in Hebrews, we learn that the physical temple was modeled on the true temple in the presence of God. So I think the measuring has at least two purposes. One is to connect the vision of Ezekiel to the vision of John, so we know through the action that they are the same. And the second purpose is to establish that the copy on earth is a reflection of the true structure built not with human hands, but by God. And now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Tim. Let's give Tim a round of applause. Here's Tim's question. Why did Moses think it is right to divorce? Well, this question is no doubt inspired by our study of Matthew 19, where the Pharisees come to Jesus and ask him this question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? When Jesus tells them that no, man shouldn't separate what God has joined together, they challenge him by citing Moses. Here's what they ask. Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Now, there are a couple of things to observe here. First, when they say Moses, they're talking about the Old Testament law, which is found in the books of Moses. Specifically, they're referencing the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 24, which gives regulations on divorce. Now, if you read that passage, you'll see that it's not quite true to say that Moses commands divorce or that Moses thinks it's right to divorce. Instead, the law imposes limits and procedures on the practice of divorce. Yes, the law permits divorce under certain circumstances, but the law doesn't command it and doesn't approve of it as right. Instead, the law regulates something bad to keep it from becoming worse. Jesus explains it this way. He says, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. In other words, the law makes allowances for the fact that we live in a sinful, fallen world, and that human beings are corrupted by their disordered desires. In a perfect world, there would be no question of divorce. But because the world isn't perfect, God permits it, but only in certain cases. Now, the rabbis debated what these cases were. In Deuteronomy, Moses says a man could divorce his wife if there was some indecency in her, and so she finds no favor in his eyes. Some interpreted that to mean a very grave infidelity was required, while others interpreted it to mean that pretty much anything that displeased the husband would be enough. To be honest, that's what always happens, no matter what sin you're talking about. If there is an allowance made, if you say something is permitted in one particular instance, then the next question is always going to be, well, what does that mean exactly? What else could fit into that criteria? And pretty soon, that one allowance is bent to excuse all sorts of things that weren't intended. That's a very human pattern of behavior because we're sinful and we're always looking for ways to excuse ourselves and claim that our bad behavior is actually pretty good. 
But Jesus teaches that if we want to understand marriage correctly, we shouldn't start with hardness of heart. Instead, we should look at God's design for marriage as an ideal, the way marriage worked before sin entered the picture. That's why Jesus says, from the beginning it was not so, because in the beginning God made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's quoting the book of Genesis there, and Genesis is also a book of Moses. So if you want to know what Moses thinks, start there, because that came long before Deuteronomy 24. It refers to the way things were before the fall into sin. If you start with marriage before the fall, then you see that not only is it a creation ordinance, but it's also a covenant relationship that reflects two very important things. The relationship between God and his people in the Old Testament, and the relationship between Christ and the church in the New Testament. Start there, and instead of looking for grounds to excuse divorce, you'll be thinking of love, self-sacrifice, and faithfulness. All these are virtues in marriage, and they reflect the character of God. So, Moses doesn't think divorce is right or good. But like other tragic things, like war, for example, the law recognizes the necessity in a fallen world and regulates the circumstances so that sinful people don't take advantage. But we should think about marriage first and foremost in light of how God created it and how he reveals himself through it and try to follow his example whenever our marriages are tested. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first comes from Benton, who's making his second appearance in this episode. He asks, what are your opinions about Christian rap music? Benton, to be perfectly honest, I don't have a strong opinion about Christian rap music. It's not my thing, but I have heard a couple of songs I thought were cool. There's that one about the Heidelberg Catechism, for example, that's pretty awesome. Generally speaking, though, it's hard to judge any category or genre of music as a whole. It's always going to come down to particular examples. You might like one song and not another. You might like the sound of a song, but not the lyrics, or vice versa. It's a little bit like Bible translations. People often ask, is this translation better than that one? But it's really going to depend on the individual verse. You can only generalize about the translation as a whole. It's when you compare one rendering of a text to another that you form a solid opinion. And honestly, I haven't listened to enough Christian rap to form a solid opinion. For insight on that, you might have to consult Pastor Dan. And now finally, we have a question from an unsigned chronicler. Uh, Remember when you are writing your questions to include your name. Although in this case, I think I might know why the name wasn't included. Here's the question. Can you ask Lori if she can give out more Skittles? Hmm. Well, Lori is, of course, my wife. And after church, she often gives out gum and candy to kids. Um, And somebody wants more Skittles. Well, 
sure, I can try to do that. In fact, I could ask Lori right now, why don't I do that? Uh, Lori, will you give out more Skittles after church, please? Well, that is a very good question. It seems to me that the person, the anonymous person who asked that question said, can Lori hand out more Skittles? And the truth is I can hand out more Skittles, but will I hand out more Skittles? No, I will not hand out more Skittles. I hand out a lot of Skittles, and I even hand out a few extra if you come and ask nicely. But more Skittles, I don't think that's possible. Okay, well, there you have it. I guess we just have to take what we can get. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.